Let's take our Bibles this evening and we'll be in Revelation chapter number 11 this evening as we continue our study through the end times. Revelation chapter 11 will be our text this evening. We're going to wrap up that chapter. Really going to take the opportunity this evening to do a little bit of a review and then get into chapter 11 and finish this chapter. We started it last week. Well, this evening, let me go ahead and uh, just go through again. This is a study of the end times, and we are trying to look at it in a chronological fashion. These things that we've heard about, when they're going to take place, and in what order. And that is important, church. Uh, the order of events. Uh, you, don't want, uh, I, you don't want to have the wrong order or understanding of these things, and it certainly will hurt you at various times with your understanding of the Scriptures. And so we started with the church age, maybe, there we go, and uh, we started in that, looked at the church age just for a couple of weeks, which took us over to the, uh, uh, the rapture, we looked at the judgment seat of Christ, and now for some time we've been in the tribulation period, and uh, the way, the pace we're going, I feel like it's going to take us seven years to get through this, uh, but we hopefully won't be in the tribulation study of this that long. Uh, we are about halfway through, I believe, in our study. And, and again, you've got this seven-year period that's bookended by these two events, the rapture, and shortly thereafter, the tribulation begins, and, and it will end uh, at that battle of Armageddon, and the Lord returns and sets up His kingdom uh, here on the earth. And, and we feel like we're about halfway through on that. And we've been studying the judgments We've looked at the seal judgments, we've studied them. Tonight we will complete the trumpet judgments, and then following that, there are some vile judgments that we'll look into in the weeks to come. There are some uh, additional chapters here before that, where there's more details given uh, about the tribulation that we'll be studying in chapter 12 and 13 and so forth, but we're getting closer and closer to completing these things I mentioned last week that someone had contacted me and asked if uh, I could find some pictures that would depict what we're seeing described in the book of Revelation over these uh, during the tribulation period. And I did find some, and I, I'm going to share some of those with you this evening. I think I have eight pictures here uh, that I found. And, and, um, and, and again, these are an artist's depiction of what we see described. Now, when we think of art, we typically think of something beautiful. But remember, the artist can only do what he's looking at as best as he can. And if the model is not very handsome or beautiful, then there's not much they can do with the picture, right? And, uh, and so what he is looking at in the book of Revelation is certainly not beautiful things overall. Uh, in fact, let me remind you, look at chapter 6, verse 17. Uh, it's a verse that certainly jumped out at me. Uh, verse 17 of chapter 6, For the great day of his wrath is come, who shall be able to stand. The great day of his wrath. And what we're seeing overall in these chapters, chapters 6 through 18, is the wrath of God poured out. So let's do a little review here using these artist depictions. Uh, look back to chapter number 5 with me, if you will. Uh, Revelation chapter number 5, and notice what this picture here depicts as I read verses 1 and down here. 
John, again in chapter 4, has been raptured up into heaven. He's seeing things from this perspective in this heavenly view. And in heaven, he says, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to look, to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. As it had been slain, having uh, seven horns and seven eyes, and uh, which are the seven spirits of God set forth on all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayer of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast been redeemed for us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And so here we have this depiction of the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God slain with that uh, seven horns and seven eyes. If you could look Closely, you probably can't see it, but there's seven eyes on that lamb. And, of course, this is in reference to Jesus Christ who was able to open those seals or that sealed book which revealed the seven seal judgments. Well, in chapter number 6, we come to a part of that six, uh, seven seals is the four horsemen that we see. Uh, look at chapter 6 again, verse number 1. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of the thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. If we drop down to verse number uh, verse number 4, And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. Uh, verse number uh, 5 says, And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see, and I beheld and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And then we see in verse number 8, And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And his name that was set on him was death, and hell followed him. And so you have these four horsemen of the book of Revelation from these sealed judgments, each of them representing a different aspect of God's wrath and judgment upon the earth. In chapter number 6, we are told in verse number 9 and verse number 10 about the slain saints or the martyrs. Uh, verse number 9 says, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood of them on them that dwell on the earth? And we learned about these, these slain martyrs that had given their life uh, and were killed because of their faith in Jesus Christ. 
As we get into chapter number 8 now, chapter, or excuse me, we're still in chapter number 6. Look at verse number 12. It says, And I beheld, and when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll, and when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island was moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the, uh, the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man hid themselves in the dens, and the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains, and rocks, fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that hide, sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath is come. Who shall be able to stand? And so we see again a depiction of that, those events there. In chapter number 8, verse number 2, we see the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And these are these seven trumpet judgments, which will conclude this evening. Chapter number 8, excuse me, chapter number 9 now, verse number 1. The fifth angel sounded and saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass or the, of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only the men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. So we see this demonic creature coming out of the bottomless pit in this depiction here. Uh, last week we looked at this in chapter number 11. Uh, look at verse 3 and 4. I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. We spent a great deal of time last week on these two witnesses, and we talked about various aspects of their ministry. You remember they have the ability to breathe fire out like a dragon, and we talked about what a great superpower that would be at times to have that. Uh, but these men have this ability and they defend themselves and kill people with that. But also, uh, who were these men? And are they just two new creatures uh, or individuals that God has brought on the scene? Or are they someone that has already lived? Uh, we considered uh, uh, several examples. Uh, I gave you the example of the high priest Joshua. And the, uh, the governor of, uh, of, of the nation of Israel, while they were still under captivity, a man named Zerubbabel. Both of them are referenced in the book of Zechariah as olive trees and candlesticks. And so that's one option. Uh, Enoch and Elijah were another option because both of them were raptured out, never experienced death. And then the one that I believe or lean towards the most was uh, the, the Old Testament character of Moses and Elijah again. And we looked at a, a couple of re, uh, reasons why. One was their ability or the miracles that they performed in the Old Testament are very similar to the ones described here in the book of Revelation. 
And although I meant to say it last week, I forgot someone reminded me, they both have already showed up at one time in the New Testament as well. If you remember in Matthew chapter number 17, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up onto the, to the Mount of Transfiguration where he's transfigured before them. He, he, he lowered his, his veil of humanity and they saw him in his holiness and Moses and Elijah were there. Remember, that's the account where Peter's like, this is pretty cool. Let's build a couple of tents here, or tabernacles, uh, some booths here. Let's, let's stay here and experience these things here. And, and so, uh, again, uh, we're not certain who they are. They're not named in the book of Revelation, but many believe them to be these two, Moses and Elijah. And then this is the rapture of these two, as described in chapter 11, verse 11 and 12. And after three days, after they were, put, they were killed... Uh, There, by the beast, it says, And after three days and a half, the Spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon uh, them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And as they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. And so these are some of the artist's depictions. As we continue on, I'll share some more pictures of these with you. But again, they're not pleasurable pictures at all. They're, they're depicting things that are of an awful thing, an awful event known as this tribulation. Now this evening, we want to pick up with our text in verse number 14 of chapter 11. Let me read those verses, verse 14 down through verse number 19. And let's wrap up this chapter this evening. Verse 14, the second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. And the seventh angel sounded, that's the seventh trumpet, and there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come in the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that they shouldest give reward unto thy servants and prophets, and to the saints, and, and to them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament, and there were lightnings, and voices, and thunderings, and an earthquake, and great hail." In these closing verses of chapter 11 this evening, I want to highlight four things for you tonight. We're going to see, first of all, about an announcement is made or a decree is made in verse number 15. Secondly, there's adoration or devotion given in verses 16 and 17. Uh, In verse number 18, we'll see abhorrence or disregard. And then in verse number 19, we see an array or a display is given in verse number 19. So let's first of all consider verse 15, the announcement or this decree that is made. Again, it says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there, was a, there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign 
forever and ever. This announcement is not a new announcement. Uh, It's something that we've seen in the scripture before. This, this, this announcement of the Lord's eternal reign. Uh, this announcement that he would rule over the kingdoms of the earth. Uh, we can really even go back all the way to the patriarchs and see it shadowed in the, in the times of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. As it's beginning to unfold that God will establish an earthly kingdom one day. Not only do we see it with the patriarchs, we can see it in the Psalms. There are multiple Psalms that we would call millennial Psalms. Psalms that have verses and references that point towards this this kingdom that will be upon the earth one day. Uh, I've written down Psalm 45, uh, chapter 68 of Psalm, and the 89th Psalm uh, for your reference to look at. The prophets have declared a future kingdom. Uh, The prophets of the Old Testament have talked about this and we're pointing towards and looking for a future kingdom of the Lord. Ezekiel chapter 21, Daniel chapter number 4, Daniel chapter number 7, Zechariah chapter 14. Again, just a sampling of of some references that, that point the prophets pointing to this future kingdom. In fact, in the New Testament, the preachers pointed towards it. The apostles. In Acts chapter 1, do you remember right before Jesus ascended into heaven, his disciples are standing near him, and it says, Lord, will thou at this time restore the what? Kingdom to Israel. They're looking for the throne. They're looking for Jesus to set up his kingdom here on earth. And that's where Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons of when God's going to establish these things. And then we get here to this apostle, to this preacher in the the book of Revelation. John the apostle again hears this and he relates to us this decree that the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And so this is not a new announcement and it is a, an announcement that is about ready to be fulfilled when this is stated here. It's one of those announcements that it's as good as gold. It's as good as happened already. And we will see it fulfilled in chapter number 19. Jesus comes back on his white horse. He brings the armies of heaven with him. And there's a final battle in, this ba- in the tribulation period at the battle of Armageddon. And we'll study this in more depth as we get there. And he puts down his enemies and he immediately establishes a kingdom, an earthly kingdom where he will rule on a throne for a thousand years. Now I'm anxious to learn about this millennial time period. There's some intriguing questions I have of what it's truly going to be like. We learn that he's going to rule with a rod of iron. Uh, the king is, Jesus is, he's, gonna, he's going to rule. And, and, and he's going to establish himself the king. He's not voted in. He's not uh, 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 at any way placed there by the people, but he's going to place himself. And typically we don't like that, do we? We don't want a dictator. We don't want, but finally there's going to be a king. There's going to be a ruler. There's going to be a leader that is a good leader, that is a good ruler. And he's going to rule this earth for a thousand years, and it's going to be a time of prosperity. It's going to be a time, I bet you gas won't be $5 a gallon. You know, I don't know what it's all going to be like, but it, 
It's going to be a time of good things. Uh, is it the wolf and the lamb will eat and lie down together and there's going to be a time of peace and prosperity and goodness. Everything people want today that they say they want seems like we're going to find it in the millennial reign. Now, I can't talk about the millennial reign without talking about the end of the millennial reign because it blows my mind. After a thousand years of a good king, never breaking a promise, everything's been good. Satan is loosed from his, his prison for a season, and he's able to raise up an army, as, as it says, as a sand of seed that will go against this good king. And I, I just, I can't get it. I don't understand it. I don't, it baffles me, but that's what will happen and so we have this announcement. We have this decree made in verse number 15. And then we see there's adoration or devotion that follows this. Uh, notice verse 16. The four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. Now these four and twenty elders, from the way I understand it, they represent the saints in heaven. And when we see these four and twenty elders mentioned in the book of Revelation, you don't have to read very far that you see worship following them. When you see the four and twenty elders, it's not long that we see worship as part of what's going on there. Uh, let me share a few of those places with you. In fact, the first place we see them mentioned, go back to Revelation chapter number 4. Revelation chapter number 4. Remember, this is where John has been uh, uh, ushered into heaven, verse number 1. And he's going to see things from this heavenly perspective. And so here he is in heaven, in verse number 4, And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thundering and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. In the midst of the throne and the round about the throne uh, were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. Uh, for sake of time, let me drop down. Look at verse number 10. And the four and twenty elders uh, fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Here in chapter number 4, the elders are worshiping the Lord, and their subject matter in this worship uh, uh, time is the, the fact that He's the Creator. He's the Creator of all things. He's the eternal Creator. By the way, do you realize how much Satan has damaged that very thought there? How much he has fought to get people to not believe that there's a, a divine creator, that there is a God that made us. And you realize when people do not accept that God is their creator, they don't have to look at them as their authority. 
They can look at themselves as their authority, look at what they wanted, and it makes them a whole lot easier for them to, to, to choose to do things that make them happy, that, that satisfies themselves, all from the fact where they lose sight that God is their creator. But here these elders, here these, these saints of God are worshiping God and exalting him as creator in chapter number 4. In chapter number 5, the same scene, still in heaven, John sees them in John chapter 5. And and look, we'll start in verse number 5. We've already read these verses, let's read them again. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to, to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and the four beasts, and in the midst of the uh, four beasts, excuse me, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Uh, Drop down with me. Let's go ahead and uh, look at verse number eight. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts, and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps. And golden vials of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seal, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. In this worship time here in chapter number 5, they're worshiping the Lord as their Redeemer. You've redeemed us. You've redeemed us to God by the blood of by thy blood out of, of, of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. They're worshiping the Lord, they're exalting the Lord because of their salvation. It's because of you that we've been made right with God. And so they worship him as their redeemer. And then in chapter number eleven, we see him again here. And they worship him, the elders worship the Lord as their ruler. Again, this is where he's establishing his kingdom. Uh, Look at verse number 16. The four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell down upon their face and worshiped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And so they're worshiping him, exalting him as their ruler. So creator, redeemer, ruler, the worship, the adoration, the devotion that is given by these four and twenty elders. Someone has asked, what is heaven going to be like? Well, I know one thing, worship's going to be a big part of it. Exaltation is going to be a big part of it. We sometimes talk about the reunion that there's going to be in heaven. I'm looking forward to that, seeing loved ones, seeing my family and and, and friends that have gone on before us. But church, I think the biggest part of it is going to be worship, exalting. It's what we see throughout from these elders is worshiping the Lord. You might think, well, boy, that's not what we can do for eternity. I think we're we're going to, remember, we're going to be new people. We're going to be glorified. The things of this life that are the the pressures of this life, the things of this life that we think are so heavy upon us now, those things won't matter anymore, and we're going to look to the Lamb of God. We're going to work. There's my Creator. There's my Redeemer. There's my Ruler. Worship will be a big part of what goes on in heaven. So we see the announcement 
the decree. We see the adoration or the devotion. And then in verse number 18, we see the abhorrence or the disregard. And the nations were angry. Remember, what's the announcement? The Lord is going to establish his kingdom. Uh, He's going to take over the kingdoms of this world and he's going to, and the nations were angry. Pretty typical, isn't it? Think about this. This week, this last week, within the last week, a step in the right direction was made. A, A step about sparing babies' lives. A, 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 a life within a womb and, and we and a law was passed to protect them and what do you see throughout this world anger righteous a righteous decision a good decision a, a positive decision and this world is against it yesterday my wife and i we went to visit a, a, a juanita garen and we stopped for lunch up in uh, gainesville uh, before we went there to see her and there was a group of young people, teenagers, sitting over the way. And uh, these young teenagers, maybe uh, uh, juniors and seniors in high school, are talking about the Supreme Court decision. So I am echoing my ear over as far as I can and trying to listen in on their perspective. And they have a s- typical worldly perspective. The justices are stupid. They don't know what they're doing. They're old-fashioned. All of those type of depictions there, and, and, and they're only hurting us and all those things, not recognizing the life within the womb, and there's anger over it. It's not just that. They're attacking, they're getting angry because they believe, you know, uh, the potential of, uh, 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 of the sanctity of marriage being elevated again in our law books, where it should have never left, by the way. And so there's anger coming out. And church, you're always going to have that. We're we're living with unregenerate people. We're living with unbelievers. And by the way, we're living with people that are getting farther and farther and farther away of knowing anything about this book. You know, in the 1950s, you go door to door in Mayberry, North Carolina. Even if they didn't go to church, they knew about God then, didn't they? Not just in Mayberry, and anywhere in America just about. They knew... That's not the generation we live in anymore. We live in a godless society, people that do not know about God. And we've got to educate them. The days of meeting somebody and they've never heard about God and the Scripture and giving them the gospel and expecting them to understand at that moment are probably few and far between. There needs to be some understanding and some, some, some understanding of who God is and, and, and what the Scripture says. And we're, we're living in a different era now. And we live amongst people that are angry towards the things of God. And we see that here. We'll continue in the tribulation period. And then we see there's quite an array or a display given. Verse number 19, remember, we're in heaven here. It says in verse number 19, And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. The temple of God is revealed or opened in heaven. And then there's this array of display of God's righteous, and it appears to be his righteous wrath in the form of lightnings, 
voices, whatever that would be, and thunderings and earthquake and great hail. Once again, coming from the righteousness of God. I've tried to point this out on multiple occasions. When we think about a righteous God, we often want to go to, the, to our loving God, which he is. But let's not forget there's also a wrathful God. And that God hates sin. And we're living in a day and an age of grace where God, uh, the, the grace is, is more prevalent and seen and recognized. But the wrath is there. We looked at it in Romans chapter number 1. The gospel reveals the, the, the love of God, the gospel of God, but it also reveals the wrath of God. And once again here in His holiness revealed in the temple of God, we see the wrath of God is displayed or arrayed for us. Well, that's going to lead us to chapter number 12 of Revelation, an interesting chapter. Next Wednesday, we will have our missions emphasis. We've been doing that on our first Wednesday of each month, so we won't be in Revelation next Wednesday. But we'll be getting in our next time to Revelation chapter number 12. Still in heaven, look at verse number 1, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven. We're going to learn about a woman, we're going to learn about a dragon, we're going to learn about a man-child, we're going to learn about war, all in heaven. And So it's quite an interesting passage of scripture, we hope to break it down in a clear and understandable and correct fashion as we get into that. So I'd encourage you to keep reading, keep studying, as we continue through these study of the end times. Let's pray. Father, we love you, thank you for the time in your word this evening. Thank you what we've seen here in the book of Revelation in chapter 11 tonight. Help us, God, to continue to read these things in a fashion, Lord, not just to gain education, not just to gain knowledge, but, Lord, to get an understanding of these things that would move us and convict us, God, to tell our neighbors, our co-workers, our family members, our loved ones, uh, the strangers around us, God, that it would move us to tell them about your great love. And Lord, if they're not going to receive your love through Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that one day they'll experience the wrath of God. Lord, it could be in this event known as the tribulation or something far worse as eternal separation from God in hell. So, Lord, my goal in this is not just to teach us something, but to challenge us, and, Lord, that your word would convict us. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd be with us this evening as we go to our separate homes. Please protect us and watch over us and bring us back at the next appointed time, God. Help us to be faithful in the opportunities we have this week to serve you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you later.